Police responded to a 911 call. Dramatic video of gun insanity in the Bronx. Police releasing a new video of a person that they are still trying to track down. Defund the police is not the answer. Many people surveyed said they just don't feel safe in the city. It's a shooting outside of a store. This is Bo Deedles. True crime. Police this morning are searching for the person who turned this Harlem platform to a crime scene. A Red Apple Media Podcast Network production. Now, here's Bo Deedle. Welcome to True Crime Story. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most infamous cases. And when you hear Zodiac, you think about California, New York, the Zodiac killers. He was leaving signs of the horoscope or whatever the hell he was doing, this psychopath. Today, I have with me one of my closest, my brother. I ain't got too many brothers left. And then Michael's one of my brothers. Michael Cerevolo, who's a retired detective lieutenant that worked on this infamous case, and I'm really excited about having them in studio today to let people know exactly what happened, how they were able to capture this creep, and welcome aboard, Michael. Thanks, Bo. Thanks for asking me to come in. So this all started in March 31st of 1990. I came, uh, at the time, I was the commanding officer of the Queen's Crimes Against Senior Citizens Squad. I was a, a sergeant. I had eight detectives working in my small squad, came into work at 7 a.m., and a detective, Andy Cardamone, who worked steady night watch, came down the hall and handed me a note in a plastic evidence bag that, of course, I was able to read, and it was a strange, cryptic note. This is a Zodiac. The 12 signs will die. Was this on a homicide, Mike? Was this was on, this was on a shooting. So he said, one of your senior citizens got shot last night at about 1.30, 2 yeah. o'clock in the morning. And this is now 7 a.m. So I said, well, is he alive? Did the guy die? Oh, that's what. So his name was Joseph Prochi, and he was taken to uh, Jamaica Hospital. And he was alive, and he wasn't expected to go out of the picture. So the first thing we did was I took a look at the note. And at 7 a.m., not all the detectives were in, so I walked down the hall to the homicide squad. I grabbed Detective Billy Clark. I grabbed uh, another detective, an Asian detective from Homicide. And I had my detective, Ray Liebold, from Crimes Against Senior Citizen. And we went to the scene. And this, the scene was about 50. It was in the confines of the 102 precinct, right off uh, That's in Jamaica Queens. Avenue. Yeah. And it was... About 50 feet outside of Brooklyn, the 75 precinct. So Elder Slane was Brooklyn, but if you walked 50 feet down this particular block, that was Queens. I know very well, Mike. Right. That's where the Palm Sunday Massacre happened. Right. So the four of us, me and the three detectives, we went to the scene. And when we get there, it's an attached brownstone house. And Joseph Prochi was 79 or 80-year-old man. He wa- walked with a cane. He had his days and nights mixed up. He was uh, becoming a little senile. He walked slowly. And he would go out in the middle of the night and collect cans and newspapers and bring yeah. them home and read them. The newspaper. He was approached. Well, so when we got to the scene, we found all the debris from the emergency medical technicians, the rubber gloves, you know, the so gauze he pads. He was shot one time in, in the, the back. back. In the back. Now he was in the hospital. Did you interview him in the hospital? I did not. One of the detectives did, but that was days later. So on this day, 
on the day that happened, we found his clothes that were cut off his body right on the front step. Yeah. Bill Clark picks up a, his shirt or a jacket, and he holds it up, and a round came out, a projectile, wow. a bullet. So they never found that originally? No. So we had our very, very first piece of evidence. Ah. But we also had the note that Nightwatch had recovered at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they vouched Was that left there, Mike? Where was the note? was left under a rock right on the front stoop by the body. But it was meant to find. Yes, and that's where he said, all shoot in Brooklyn, 9mm, 9mm, or 380 RNL, round nose lead. This is the Zodiac and all kinds of cryptic messages. he actually messages. put the caliber of the gun and all that on the note, Michael? Yeah, he wrote it down. Wow. 9mm or 380 oh, you do? Was RNL. Oh, you let you know what guns he had. Yeah, right, exactly. And he was shot one time, and that's what we had. So I... We did a canvas, of course. We checked the sewers. We had emergency service to see if he dumped a gun in the sewer. We did a car canvas recording all plates because in the Son of Sam case, yep. all the plates in the area. So we didn't have computers then. We didn't have cell phones. So they recorded it, and then we ran the plates later. I went back to uh, Queens headquarters in the 112 precinct, and I went to somebody that you know, uh, uh, Chief John Menken. He was the chief of detectives for the borough of Queens. I said, Chief, we found this note next to a, a, a senior citizen shooting victim. I said, I hope we don't have another son of Sam on our hands. Wow, he says, keep you, me posted. Well, so I you said that to it. him. Wow. I said, I mean, the note was very, very bizarre. Now, Mike, it's very important. Had there been shootings before with notes prior? We were unaware. Oh. So now, a couple of weeks go by, and we're doing our investigation, and we're interviewing, and he's a terrible witness when he does come around after surgery. He's a terrible witness. He didn't witness. see nothing. He got shot in the back. Right. right. And he had bad eyesight, and he was senile. He was a terrible witness. What we did what we he did say, the guy asked me for a drink of water as I was walking into the house. I told him to get lost. So the guy So shot. we heard a voice. Good. So so that that was that. And then, you know, we continue with the investigation. Nothing is happening for a couple of weeks. And then about two and a half weeks later. Now, now um, Michael, this is important for the listening audience, but it's a little different now. All these communications coming through the intelligence division, they're able to lock in that there's a pattern or something. But back then, it was a little more difficult. Yeah, and, and there was no pattern. We knew about this one shooting in Queens. Yeah. So uh, I get a call from Bill Clark, who was in the 109 doing a separate homicide. And he said, uh, Sarge, I, uh, I just got a call from a reporter friend of mine, Ann Murray, who writes for the New York Post. And she got a letter from the Zodiac. Oh, my and goodness. Just so like she, the son of Sam. So she faxed it to me. And I have it. I'm faxing you a copy. So I get the note, and he's claiming in this note he shot the old man on March 31st. Yeah. But he's also saying I shot this guy. I shot this guy in the back, uh, and uh, and that was on March 8th. We had no shooting on March 8th. And then he said, uh, I shot another guy on uh, March 29th. We had no shooting on March 29th. So... We start 
We had no computers, as I said. Start doing, going through 60 once. No shooting, coincides. 60 are the reports that the policemen make on a right. shooting guy. Nothing in Queens. So I said, listen, this guy thought he was in Brooklyn when he shot the guy 50 feet outside uh-huh. in Queens. Maybe we checked the, the Brooklyn wow. uh, 60 once. So they did so, and they found two shootings that coincided wow. exactly with his claim you, on the If you note. didn't check Brooklyn... You would say that this letter's full of crap. Right. Now I was a good. So now here's the thing. Um, did he, you, did he you were in Brooklyn. Did he give back you then. location, Michael? Uh, he he just said in all the, in, in Brooklyn. The note. In Brooklyn. He said in the note well, in Brooklyn. Well, but he said shot in back. That's basically all he said. And he said guy was walking with a cane. So what we did was after we found out about these other two shootings, we were called down to the chief of detectives office the very next day. And uh, Tommy Morrow was the commanding officer of Brooklyn North Homicide. So in all, with all due respect to Lieutenant Tommy Morrow, back then, and nobody knows better than you, the 7-5 precinct had 120 homicides <laughs> yeah, the, a year. The killing fields, they called it, yep. The Queens, I mean, we had the a fraction The 106 borders on it, they had nothing. And the 102 bordered on it, too. Right. And, and they had, like, maybe a half a dozen. Yeah, and one of the reasons that I went over there was the amount of murders, yeah. and they put me in a homicide team in one precinct. We were talking about 120 murders in one damn precinct. So basically, we didn't have a homicide that coincided with his claim, but we had two guys shot on those dates that coincided with the time different area. and the date. Right on Eldit Lane. Right on Eldit Lane around the corner. But it was in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Because it was on that side of the street. Wow. So I get summoned to Chief Borelli's office the next day. But before I did that, so Ann Murray has this note. We have a copy of it. I got Ann Murray on the phone. I said, Ann, please, I'll give you an exclusive when we catch this guy. But please do not put this note in the newspaper, or we'll we'll be dealing with a thousand copycats. Yeah, she says I'll see what I could do. The next morning, it was in. I get up, I open. It's the front page. Oh. It's plastered across the New York Post. Borelli calls us down. You couldn't and, stop her either, right? Chief of Detectives calls us down, and so Tommy Marr, the lieutenant from Homicide, is there. He says, look, these people survived. I didn't have enough detectives. We didn't do a full-blown investigation on these first two shootings, so we never recovered a note. We never wow. recovered any evidence. He they may have been do leaving notes, and no one really found You said you found one on right. the rock. Right. Well, the rock was placed to hold it down in case the wind but blew. You could, but you but it was right next to the yeah. body. Yeah. yeah. So so what happens next? Chief Borelli was um, not happy with the lack of work that the Brooklyn detectives did. But yeah. I had a stack of DD5s. We were working balls out on this case. Yeah. So he says, Mike, you've got the task force. So I, I said, Chief, tonight, and a couple of detectives from Major Case said, they told me, I don't want to take the credit for this. Al Shepard said, Sarge, tonight, after midnight, is going to be 21 days from Prochi. The second shooting was 21 days before that, and the first shooting was 21 wow. days that. They were all on a Thursday. They were all between 1.30 in the morning and, and 5 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So now we have a pattern. Mm. So Borelli... Uh, said, as a matter of fact, Borelli came up to the 102. We did a double tour. He gave me 50 detectives. We had mail trucks. We had ice cream trucks. We had plainclothes vehicles, two detectives in plainclothes in every vehicle. And basically what we did, Bo, like the old days, we tossed every 
person that moved now, on the street what Mike's saying in that toss, neighborhood. What toss is what they say you can't do today. But we used to do that, and we used to be very successful in taking guns off the street. So we were looking, when they're tossing people, they're looking for someone carrying a gun. Duh. Go ahead, what Mike. we got that night was a guy going to work in the bakery at 3.30 in the morning. We, we didn't get the guy. any guns? Nothing, nothing. nothing. No, everybody was law-abiding citizen, walking to the subway, going to work. They had to be at work at 5 in the morning when, or whatever. When they tossed them, they were courteous, right, Mike? Yeah, of course. Professional. You say, hey, listen, do you mind? I want to pat you down. Do you have identification, yeah, et cetera? The, yeah. yeah. So, so nothing happens. So it's, the sun comes up, 50 guys out there all night working hard. I'm back at the 102 station house. I'm signing every time everybody's overtime slip. I get a call. You didn't get them in the 75 and the 102 last night where you had all the detectives because he was in Central Park and he just shot a homeless guy on a bench by the band show oh in God. Central Park. Now, and comes he left a note next on the on the park bench. That guy's name was Larry Parham. Killed. The round went through him. He survived. The round went through him. Lodge in the park bench. Crime scene was able to get another round. Guess what? 380 RNL. Round nose lead. Ballistics so, lined up. And the note was was very similar. Now, he put a pie, like a round circle, with four slices in the pie yeah. with an astronom uh, astronomical sign. And he was right on all four victims. He had their correct astronomical signs. So the date of birth? He must have known their date of birth. Well, one, he looked through a wallet, but yeah, we we were, we were having a difficult time trying to figure that out. He went through the homeless guy's wallet after the shooting and ah, he filled it in. Okay. So so here here's the thing now. That guy survived. He's taken it back then it was called New York Hospital. So we all go to the two O precinct. I got a hundred detectives there, Chief Borelli's up there, and I dispatch a dear friend of ours, uh, may rest in peace, the the late Mike Sheehan. Great detective. I said, Mike, you go to New York Hospital. As soon as this guy's able to speak, interview him. And for years, Mike said, he always told me, Mike, you always told me that was the best GD5 you ever read. It had all the detail. He went to sleep. He felt like he was followed by a guy. He now, went to sleep on the park bench. A lot of people don't know Mike Sheehan. Great Sheenan detective. came on the force with us and was with us for many, many years. One of the great detectives. The greatest storyteller of all times, yep. but the truth and the facts. He was great. I'm sure that DD5 looked like a novel, Mike. Yes, right? it did. It did. So anyway, um, getting back to the story. Uh, so now we have four shootings. We don't have a little uh, pattern area on the 75-102 border in Queens and Brooklyn. Now we're expanded to all of Manhattan. So um, did that ever come up, Mike, about the shooter in California? Did you guys ever do anything? Right with that? around this time, when when the investigation really starts ramping up in New York, and we find out we're dealing with four shootings, he sends another note saying that he it's one in the same zodiac, the California zodiac. I'm responsible for it. So we immediately faxed. Uh, uh, on notes to the uh, San Francisco Crime Lab. Uh, they, within 24 hours, got back to us and told us with 100% degree of certainty, it was not one and the same. So this guy was a copycat. The guy in New York was playing off 
the. And uh, what, what years was the Zodiac in California? Mike? It was like 68, 69, 70, 70 71. Oh, so it was really. Yeah. Did they ever find that killer? No. No. Uh, you know, it's it's been speculated, he's but now. he's okay. probably dead. Well, so let's stay on our course. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting excited now. Because this thing is starting to come to a head. So right? now Borelli realizes it. Now people are starting. It, it's all over the newspaper. Everybody's I talking remember about it. I remember it. Zodiac. And yeah. he gives me 49 detectives. He he gets a space in the Brooklyn uh, Navy Yard. Uh, he gives me 10 cops on uh, restricted duty with sprained ankles and, and sprained wrists. And... They set up a, a bank of phones for a tip line, and these cops are there recording all these tips. It looked like the Jerry Lewis telethon. Tips, 24 hours a day coming in, and these uh, white shield guys in plain clothes writing down the tips. I read the tips with a few other supervisors. We give them to teams of detectives. I give it to Jack Freck and his partner, yeah. go out and interview this guy. This, they're saying my a, neighbor. You had, a, you had detectives from all over the city, right? So, so what they did was they took uh, talent from every homicide squad in the city. So I got guys like Jack Freck um, uh, from Manhattan tuna North Homicide. Tuna fish can. Jack. Yeah, the yeah. tuna can. Uh, I got... Uh, the best detectives in the city of New York, uh, John uh, Lafferty from Manhattan North Homicide, some great, great detectives yeah. uh, worked on this task force, and everybody gave it a thousand percent. I never saw guys so Into intent yeah. to get this guy, and we were working. And then every third Thursday, 21 days from the last shooting, We'd work a double shift, and we'd go out in Central Park. The you, surround you'd set up surveillance. Yeah, and it was amazing. All the homeless people that used to sleep inside Central Park were now sleeping on Fifth Avenue on the benches. They were afraid to sleep in the so park. So what happens 21 days later? Nothing. Wow. Nothing. And 21 days after that, nothing. And for months, the nothing. same thing happened. No now, how more many were killed so far? So now we go what, back. How many killed so far? So, so far, you only have the old man died, yeah. Joseph Proci. And the, these other ones were just The shot. other two survived. The very first witness who went back for another surgery, they pulled the, it was close to his spine, but they pulled the bullet out. We had another projectile for evidence. Ballistics all matched up. Uh, yeah. Then he, uh, then they found a note that he sent to the 17th precinct a couple of years before any of these shootings, claiming he's the Zodiac. He's going to kill the 12 signs when the belts in the heaven are seen. Wow. He's writing stuff on, on a thing on his notes. The seven sisters, the constellation in the sky with the stars. Seven Astrology. sisters. Yeah. Torres, he's alluding to Torres. He alludes to Faust, a Did German you thing. Did you study the astrological side, I Michael? took detectives. I took detectives to the Hayden Planetarium. We met with <laughs> the, Dr. Bill Gutsch, wow. who was the curator. He put all the, the constellations on the big ceiling there at the Hayden Planetarium. We were just trying to make a connection as to what he was writing, but it really had no connection. Then he also wrote... The Zodiac will kill the 12 signs when the zodiacal light is seen. So I look at the note. I said, what the hell is the zodiacal light? So I call. I had a contact at NASA. I called NASA. I said, what's the zodiacal light? They said, it's not the zodiacal light. It's the zodiacal light. 
It's fragments of light that can be seen twice a year during the summer solstice and the winter solstice, but you can't see it in New York. You have to be on a Caribbean island where there's no air pollution, and then you could see these this glow, and that's the zodiacal wow. light. So this guy read a lot. He knew a lot, a, a little bit about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, we knew that about him. But he went dead. And using a lot of taxpayer dollars, 50 detectives working The task 12 force and, never stopped, right? Well, at the end, after almost a year, I was called in, and he kept myself running it, Jack Freck, and two other detectives, but everybody was sent back to their command, and they did away with the task force, and they said if, if a tip comes in, you four guys investigate it. Mm -hmm. So I would get together with Jack Freck once a week. We'd go out and check out these tips that were coming in. But there was no action from the Zodiac, no action at all, no more notes, no nothing. Mm -hmm. So they disbanded the task force. In that time, you make me an offer to run Bodil and Associates, I retire as a lieutenant, mm -hmm. and I came to work for you. In 1996, when we had the Carpenters Union, I see on the front page of the Post, there's a big sign, a big thing, and he, he's claiming that he wrote this note, and it's got all nautical signs like you'd see on a sailing ship, all these nautical signs that they had people down in Annapolis, and he was claiming that he was going to shoot more people and this, that, and the other mm -hmm. thing. And, um, and then, all of a sudden, he starts coming out about three years later, after the task force was disbanded, and he kills a woman. He shoots a woman. She doesn't fall down, so he changes his M.O. near Forest Park, this happened. He stabbed her a hundred times, and he killed her. And then he shot another guy, and he killed him. And he shot another guy who survived. So now we've got, all total, eight victims, three dead, and well, five were, survived. Well, I mean, you were working with me. We were kind of busy. We took over the whole New York City Carpenters Union at that time. I remembered. Were you called in on this yes. thing, Michael? I was called in by the press, but not I'm by the, the department. Job, the police department. But I talked with, by that time, one of my detectives had gotten promoted to sergeant, Joe Herbert. Sharp, sharp yeah. guy. And Joe was brought in to run the second task force uh -huh. now that I was gone. And Joe did a great job. They ran it out of Park Department building in Queens, the old 106 precinct. Uh, not the 102. You know, so, yeah, it wasn't that either. It was a Parks Department building. And they were working on his case, and I sat with Joe a couple of times, and we talked. But they were spinning their wheels once again. They were, you know, working their asses off, but they couldn't get this guy. And I always said, he's going to be, they're going to get him because Larry Parham, the guy who got shot in Central Park, we also, I failed to mention, we got a thumbprint oh. and a right index on the note. And and now, for the first time, the NYPD had the safest system. So when somebody gets arrested, you can run the prints through the computer to see on a past arrest if you have a match. So I said, this guy's going to get caught jumping over a turnstile, going to get locked up, going to print them, and gonna we're going to get a match. Well, that didn't happen. What happened was, during 1996, he has a family dispute with his sister in the confines of the 7-5 precinct, where we always felt very strongly he lived. And he gets, he gets into a beef with his, his sister because he doesn't like the guy she's going out with. And he takes out 
a gun and he shoots her in the butt. And he becomes a barricaded gunman. And so now emergency services there. And mm -hmm. who comes? The hostage negotiation squad. And who's his hostage negotiator? Lieutenant Joe Herbert. Wow. Well, back then, Sergeant Joe Herbert. Well, Bo and, Bowles was out of Captain Bowles was Yeah, out. yeah. Frank Bowles was retired many years before that. Mm -hmm. so, so, now, um, so now they bring this guy into the station house. They just think they have a barricaded gunman who shot his sister who survived. But as they're negotiating with him, he sends down a bucket. You know, get rid of any weapons you have. He sends down a bucket on a rope. They send up a bucket with a rope. He fills it with zip guns. We always knew it was one-shot capability. All of these victims were shot only one time. He couldn't reload quickly. So he, we always felt it was a zip gun. He also said no grooves on what bullets. What a zip gun is, a gun that's not a like real a gun, and it's a pipe, and he put one round in there, and a lot of times you use a paper clip with a rubber yeah. band. Bing, right. and exactly. The and the other thing he always wrote in his notes, and he was true to his word, no grooves on bullet. Oh, there was and no there's rifling. no rifling inside the barrel of a plain pipe. But I thought you matched up ballistics with a couple of rounds. No, we, we didn't match up ballistics. We matched his prints. So now ah. Joe Herbert talks him out. He gives up all these guns, and they take him to the 7-5 precinct, and they interrogate him, and he's confessing to shooting his sister in the butt. But he can't help himself. On the bottom of his confession, he puts a circle and the crosshairs, which was his mark at wow. the end of all the Zodiac notes. Joe Herbert, who's been working on my task force, now his own task force sees this, almost jumps out of his skin, calls up, uh, you know, Safus and said, run these, this guy's prints that we got, and bingo, it's a match. And he was identified as Heriberto Seda, S-E-D-A, young guy, Spanish guy. And uh, he went to trial, and uh, he was convicted, and he got a bunch of life sentences. He'll never well, get know, out of jail. You, wow, Michael, what a great story. I bet you felt really bad that you weren't there for the capture, huh? Yeah. I would yeah, feel like I was. I was. It's like having sex and not reaching an orgasm, right, I Mike? was. And if you hadn't <laughs> offered me the job with your company also, to run your company, I would have still been oh, there. Oh, so it's my fault. No, no. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. all, all the blame is on you, Bo Deedle. <laughs> so, wow, wow, wow. Well, what a great story. It's one of the big manhunts. It reminded me of the Son of Sam and all that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you something. That just shows you New York detectives are leaving these are the talented guys that you worked with and I worked. They're leaving by the bundles, Michael. This experience, you can't go to college, John Jay College of Criminology, and learn how to be a detective. That's bullshit. Yeah. You've got to have experience learning from these great detectives, right. which I learned from, and right. I'm sure you did Absolutely. too. Absolutely. And when you get rid of them and when they bail out, what do you have? Like your nephew, one of the top detectives, Nikki. He's just a great detective. He walked off the, off the job as a first-grade detective, one of the great detectives. Yep. This talent, you just you can't make. There's nothing to fill that spot. No, it takes years to, to get the experience and, and to develop the what you always talk, that sixth sense, that instinct yeah, that we and have. I, I, and it's just so funny. But, you know, Michael, it's just it, it was really great going on this story because I never knew all the intricate facts. I was retired already, but 
I knew of it, I knew that you were involved in it, and I knew kind of deep down inside when it reoccurred again, you were like wanted to jump back in. I'm surprised they didn't call my mic back in there. What happened? <laughs> well, it was after a year, so my terminal leave was. You would have went in for nothing. Come on, my <laughs> in a second. In I would have. That's a true. <laughs> that's a true cop. You would have jumped in that thing. I absolutely well, would have. Well, Mike, thank you so much. This is this was a great story. You brought us. From the beginning to the end, and it was there's some great. Well, your piece of detective work, Mike, was responsible for the end result. Yeah. And uh, congratulations, one of the big cases in New York, for you doing this. You were involved with the beginning that factored into the arrest and conviction. He was convicted. How yep. many years did he get, Mike? Uh, he got a number of life sem- sentences with no parole. Well, he's probably the mayor of a small city in New York or something, <laughs> right? Uh, with this bail reform, I, I guess he, he could be out, Mike. You know, he could be yeah. out. We don't know. Cop killers get out, But right? thank you, Michael, so much. And let me tell you something. Very interesting. The Zodiac Killer. Detective Lieutenant Mike Saravola retired. He's still with Bo Deedle Associates, too. He's our chief investigator. He handled uh, some very big cases, and currently he's handling some very big cases. Remember, Bo at Investigations.com or www.investigations.com. You can actually hire Mike through the company on a case, and he's my top guy, and he'll find the results. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for being with me, my friend. Thanks, Bo. Thank you. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.